are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I had the joy to go to Washington, D.C. Brother Jim Brown, you were in that meeting with President Bush. You'll remember that meeting. He met with us, I want to say, two hours at least, maybe longer. And as I sat about six feet away from him, listening to him, he had no notes. He just spoke to us. It's quite inspiring Uh, meeting, quite frankly. And as he spoke, he said, America has always had a culture for life. He was trying to speak to us. I don't know what was there, 150 preachers. I don't know what was there. Is that about right? I'm looking at Brother Brown. And it was about right, isn't it? And, 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 As he read to us, he spoke to us, he said, we have had a culture of life. We believe in life. I have the Constitution before me in my pocket. I've just pulled it out. And it says in the Declaration, July 4th, 1776, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. And we get through Paragraph one, this is paragraph two. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed with their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these rights are life. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We are a nation that believes in life. When my wife and I got married, if we want to have a a, a child aborted, it was against the law. But now for since 1973, we slaughter more babies in America than any other country. You cannot sweep that under the carpet. God sees under the carpet. I am not speaking about life tonight. But when he said, Brother Jim, when he said a culture of life, that word culture has literally captivated my heart since then. A culture of life. A word culture is a belief system or a practice or a behavior of a person or a group of people. What is culture? It's a belief system. We we believe this. This is what we believe. Uh, It is a behavior. This is the way we are going to behave as a person or as a church. This is our belief. This is our behavior. Or this is our practice. This is the way we do it here. I, I want to speak to you tonight on the culture 
of North Valley Baptist Church. Would you let me please have a lengthy introduction till we get to this text here. There's no surprise in these 43 years what this church believes. We have made it very plain and we printed it and all of God's people know what we believe. You know, in life, there's a business culture. A successful business culture has the customer is always right. You work to satisfy the customer. And in business, you have a culture that not only the customer, or we're going to be pay as we go. We're, we're not going to enslave them. There's a sports culture. There's, if you look it up online, there's a drug culture. Uh, there is a family culture. There's a church. Every church, every church has a culture. I want to just say, just because uh, I have for the church, I'm trying to leave this culture and this culture over here says, why can't you just get along with us? My question to you is, why can't you get along with us? You want to believe what you believe? Go ahead. You want to get rid of the pulpit and get rid of the choir and get rid of the piano and get a drummer up here and have a little stool and have me dressed in black blue jeans and a black T-shirt and, and, and rap with people? That There's plenty of church. If they want to do it, they can do it. We're not doing it here. That's our culture. There's a certain culture. Every church, there's the culture in life of worldliness. Some of you may have that culture. You may say, I just want to be worldly. I don't want to be old-fashioned. I don't want to be old-time religion. I don't want to have any, uh, I, I don't want that. There, there's a culture of self-governing. I'll just do my own thing. I'll govern myself. There's a culture, and I like it, of academics. I want our school to have a culture of academics. We do. I want the college to have a culture of academics, and we do. There's a sports culture. The culture of this place is I don't want the, the parents in the stands yelling at the referees. That's our culture. Now, we might buy them a set of glasses afterwards, but that's our culture. I don't want the culture where the dad is telling the boy or the girl how to play when there's a coach there. There's a culture. You gave them over to the kid, the, the coach let them coach. We have a culture of worldwide missions here. We, we have a culture of the second generation. We have a, everybody has a culture, whatever it might be. A, a culture simply is, it's a belief, it's a behavior. What you practicing? What you doing? Uh, you have a culture, you young couples, that you say, well, we live on credit. That's our culture. That's, we like that. That's our behavior. That's our practice. We just use our credit cards. I, I never thought I'd do it, but I try to use my credit card now. I've never used credit. I try to use as much as I can because I'm trying to get points to build up so I can go see my grandkids for free. Smart man. So Christmas, we've never charged Christmas until a year ago. We never in our life have charged Christmas. So man, I'm pulling that thing out all the time. And every time I'm spending a dollar, I think, praise God, I'm earning a point right here. And then the bill came. And I paid it all off. Why? Because that's our culture. I'm not going to leave debt to my kids. I said to a boy out here 
few weeks ago, I said, you know, I'd like to adopt you. You'd be a good son. I said, would you like me to adopt you? I'll put you in the will. He said, are you kidding? I'd probably have to pay for your funeral. <laughs> Some churches have a culture. They like to gossip. They just like to talk. And man, I tell you what, uh, uh, it's just the way it is. Some people like to have an appointment and talk to me and then record it all. Hmm. That's just the way they like to do it. They never tell me they're doing it, but I know about it. That's their culture. That's their belief system. That's their practice. We have a, we have a culture here. Our Sunday school, the Sunday school teachers, they have it every week on their bulletin, but Again, tonight they received this. I have a whole bunch of these up here. I'll give them to you. Our Sunday school knows the purpose of our, our, our culture, what it is. It's 10 things, 10 items. This is what we're aiming for. They're all the letter S. Every single child and person in Sunday school, we go after salvation first. And then submission, believers' baptism. And then the sanctuary, the house of God. And then, not soul winning, Stewardship. Stewardship. We try to make sure that they learn, bring a dime, bring a quarter, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then we try to teach them soul winning. And we try to teach them, of course, the scriptures. And all these letter S's are right here. We try to teach them about separation and serving God and souls all the time. There's, we know what we're should, We're not just saying, well, let's watch the Andy Griffith show and see if uh, there's Sunday school curriculum now for Andy Griffith. The good qualities of Andy Griffith. I got to thank God for Brother Andy and Brother Barn. Floyd Goober. Goober says, hey, but I'm going to tell you something. We got a lot more than Andy Griffith. We got the Bible. I want, I, the goal is every teacher to have the word of God in their hand as they teach the word of God and teach the word of God. I'm, say, I'm suggesting today, that's our culture, our Sunday school. There's a culture of singing in this church. Ephesians 5.18, speaking to yourselves. If you've been here, you're like the time, you've heard it all the time. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to God. We're not gonna go, we're not gonna go the worship team route. Now, another church can if they want to, praise God. We're not going there. It's a rather new phenomenon, having a worship leader and having worship online, uh, 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 frontline singers. We're not having frontline singers. We're gonna have a choir. We're gonna have a pianist and a pianist, we're gonna have an organ, and we're gonna have singing, and we're gonna have hymn book, and we're gonna shout, and we're not gonna sit here saying, we adore you, 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 we, and then you ask, what does the word adore mean? Nobody knows. Ask the college students, I said, are you happy with the lunches? And boy, we have the, the meals here. We have tremendous meals. And somehow they got all, they know where I'm going with this. And they, I said, write it out. Here, what do you want? What do you want more of? I'll add more money to the budget. What, I want to make sure you're fed well. They work 40 hours a week. They go to school full time. What do you want? Number one on the list, gummy bears. <laughs> Idiots! <laughs> Number two, more protein. More protein. I took a pause. I said, hey, do we give them a lot of protein? We sure do, don't we, sister? I said, I called them on it. What is protein? 
Nobody could answer what is protein. One finally took an attempt at it. Did pretty good. Somebody must have told me, we need more protein. Oh, well, there's another thing. Sunday school, we know our culture. We know our belief system, what we're trying to do. Uh, Singing, we know. uh, School, the school, we know what it is. It's the second generation. And if you go in our school, you walk in the door, there's a glass wall, it's engraved in there, and it says it's to produce boys and girls as to become young adults, men and women, to serve God with their lives. Doesn't mean they have to be a pastor, a missionary. God may call them. They could be a fireman. They could be a postman. They could be whatever it might be. But I want their lives to be prepared to serve God as a layman, as a Sunday school teacher, a bus driver. And I'll tell you what, if we had our graduates of this Christian school pull out of here tonight that are lay people in this church, it would collapse. We're succeeding at it. And we've had 160 approximately that have gone in full-time Christian service as well. That's our, that's our philosophy. That's our belief system. That's our, that's our culture. We believe that. So every day, tomorrow, teachers are going to start in K4, K5, all the way through 12th grade. Everything's going to be how to get them ready for God, how to get them ready for God through singing, through computers, through English, through history, through science, through woodshop, through, through grammar, through everything. It's all about getting ready to serve God. That's our culture. Our schools our singing, our Sunday school, our standards. I wrote them all down. I wanted 12, I came up with 13, and we've had amendments to add to it, not take it away. Before I ever came here, 43 years ago, I said, the church had 20 people. I said, here's what I believe. If you let me come, here's what we're gonna try to practice, right? Every new membership packet gets it. Every new worker gets it. Once a year, we cover it. Everybody knows what we believe around here. But right there, if you're gonna be a worker, we're gonna use only one Bible, the King James Bible. We know that. Well, we don't believe that. Someone says, we wanna use the RSV. We'll use it in that church. But in our church, we use the King James. And in our church, we use the Songbook. And in our church, we believe in so all these things that I'm talking. So it's 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 very important. Our culture is Sunday school and standards and singing and schools and our our culture souls. We do use the mail and mass mail out, but mass mail out is not face to face. We believe in door to door, confrontation, not fighting, but face to face talking to people. Ask you, have you been born again? Do you know if you died today, you'll go to heaven or hell, or don't you know? That's what we believe. Now the church says, well, we don't do it that way. The big movement now, that's outdated. People don't want to be confronted with it. They may not want to, but there's still a heaven and there's still a hell. And a hell to be shunned and a heaven to be won. I want to say today, that is our culture. Door to door, house to house, not just simply musicals and dramas. And if a church wants to do that, praise we've got a nice drama and a musical coming up next Christmas. It's going to be awesome. And our culture, if you've been here, you know it's stewardship. Brother Scurry, it's stewardship. You've been here all these 40-some years. It's stewardship. Stewardship is how we can get people to invest in the work of God. Lay not up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal and destroy, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. It's stewardship. 
trying to get everybody to understand that God is the owner and yet he requires for us that we give back to him. He's still the owner of the 90% that remains. Thank God for the stewardship of this church. The culture of this church is spick and span. I don't want a dumpy church. With 14 broken down buses with motors laying out there and windows broken out and storing desks in there and mattresses in there. And I've been to all the churches. I've seen all that stuff. Pull up to a church. I saw a whole, whole field of broken down buses. They got a good deal on mattresses. Oh, this is 30 years ago. You don't even know who it is. In fact, that pastor's home with the Lord. Mattresses were in one of them and desks. They took the seats out, put them in there. They had all these things they buy on, and, and they get it and they store it. First thing I'd do if I was pastor of church, I'd take all that stuff to the dump. This is God's house. Read the book of Exodus, Leviticus, how they cared for the tabernacle, how they cared for the temple. I'm talking about spick and span. Every church has a culture. And you dear folks that are listening, God bless you, have your culture. I'll let you have your culture, but you let me have mine too. You say, does everybody in this church buy into it? Are you kidding? Absolutely not. I die tomorrow of a heart attack. I doubt if this culture would continue. It normally doesn't. My friend Bobby Robertson, I know we've got folks watching. He, he passed away next month and it'll be a year. They still didn't get a pastor. They voted on somebody to come in to be, a, I think, a co-pastor or something, whatever it is right now. I'm not against it. I don't know the man. I don't know anything about it. I'm just saying they took him a year to try to find somebody. Uh, Lee Robertson was off the scene. They voted in a man, and there is no Highland Park Baptist Church. The buildings, the dormitories that house thousands, the gymnasium, the dining halls, the music halls, the 7,000 seat auditorium, the 8,000 seat auditorium, whatever, what, eight or 10, I think, is empty tonight. It is totally empty. It's shut down in downtown Chattanooga, Tennessee. There's no reason why this church cannot go on. I preached some messages with the purpose that I said, I want that recorded so when I die, someone can play that. The deacons know, Brother Van Dyke, and it's been in the safe for a year. When I die, I was back when I was in the 20s and then the 30s and the 40s, and I'll stop right there, whatever age I am, and I put it in there. If I die, here are the things you do. Page, page one, one, two, three, four. Here's the things I suggest. Page two, uh, 15, 16, 17. page three. Here's the things that you do to find a new pastor. Don't call somebody you don't know. Don't call somebody who doesn't know this church and buys into this church. Don't call somebody without bringing his wife here and without bringing his kids here. Sometimes you have a great, great man of God and wow, he's great and his wife's a nutcase. And sometimes vice versa, he's not much of a preacher, but boy, he's got a good wife. You want a package deal. Tonight, we talk about this thought of culture. This church has no excuse. I've never used this pulpit to be political. Well, I don't want to really offend anybody. Yes, I do. I want you to tell, 
tell you what this is, what we believe around here. So tonight, we take this church at Galatia, and don't worry, I won't be long now. The church at Galatia was birthed, we see it, and Paul mentions it, talks about it in Acts in chapter four in Galatians, I want you to see. Paul tells us how it was birthed. In chapter four, verse 17, verse 19, my, 419, my little children. He's talking to this church at Galatia, the city where he established the church, my little children. He's speaking, yes, of a warmth, but also there was a spiritual immaturity to them. My little children, of whom I travailed and birthed again until Christ be formed in you. I remember when you were infants, I won you to Christ. I, I brought you the gospel. This is not some church Paul didn't know anything about. He was the one that took the gospel to get it established. Here's the problem. Their culture changed. Their belief system changed. You'll see it here. Their behavior changed. It just changed. Everything is life, in life is subject to change. Uh, do you know that right now, politically, with the Republicans, with the Democrats, with the independents, and with the socialists. It's all changing. It's all changing. You can swear on the news and blaspheme on the news and curse and use foul language, male and female. You can do it and you're, you're counted as a great hero. It's changing. I look at my lifetime and I've had many presidents. I think the first one that I had was Truman was my president. And you go all the way through from Truman to Eisenhower and, and all the presidents and Kennedy and 60 and all the way through. You look at all those presidents and all the Congress. And we've had wicked people in the Congress my whole life. But I don't know if I'd ever hear a woman swearing and swearing and saying words. I'm looking at you, Brother Harder, all those years you gave us in the military. I, I can't believe that we've got this culture in our country that, that, and, and that, that, that now the big thing is just drinking, women drinking beer, men drinking beer, living like heathens. There used to be a dignity to that office. I will say this, and I know because I'm on, I'm in the Capitol once a year at least, and I, I will say this, the all still men wear suits and generally white shirts. It's just part of the culture that stayed in Congress and in the Senate. I will say this, it's still in the books. It's still in the books. Now they're gonna change it probably real fast. But still, there, and every lady's expected to wear a dress and a modest dress. Now who knows what with this new crowd we've just put in there. That's your culture. Things are changing the culture politically. Changes are so rapid in our churches. A preacher called me from the distant state yesterday. He said, Brother Treeper, I was in the state preaching. 
He's been in the ministry many years. He said, this week, he said, I'm so weary. Three pastors, he said, came up to me and said, we, we've got Bible colleges that are, well, individually said, but they said are corrupting, corrupting our students and they're coming back and they're becoming contemporaries and rock and roll and they're literally destroying. He goes, one guy said, my entire state has been destroyed by that college. A whole new culture. We are living in a moment and churches are changing quickly and we're accommodating to the flesh, we're accommodating to the worldly society, we're accommodating to what the members want, every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. You can do that, but you're not gonna do it on my watch without a fight. I'm gonna stand for what is right and try to keep our homes, our, I'm looking at this second generation. Let me tell you something, Golden State Baptist College kids and you that are home that are coming, we have to produce another generation or it's over. We have to have a generation that has a spine and are soldiers in Jesus Christ and kind and gentle and, 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 and full of goodness, yes, but a man that'll take a stand and say, I am here to protect the people of my city with righteousness. This church, the apostle Paul birthed them. And I want you to notice what they did. In chapter one, they distanced themselves from God and from heritage. I marvel, verse six, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you to the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another. But there be so much trouble you would pervert the gospel of Christ. But we are an angel from heaven preaching any other gospel unto you that we have preached and you let him be accursed. Says it again in verse number nine. They were so soon removed. People think, I don't know where this young generation is getting this. They talk about, a, I, I don't even know the name, IBF or IBC, I don't know what it, the Independent Baptist Fellowship, but there's no such thing. I grew up in GRB, General Association of Regular Baptists, CBA, Conservative Baptist Association of America, Baptist Bible Fellowship here in America and the world. They were just old people that believed in worldwide missions and BBF was great on missions and, and singing and preaching and shouting and invitation and soul winning. But we all were independent. We were not shackled. I grew up in a CBA church. We weren't shackled that we had to report to, to uh, Dallas or to Fort Worth or to, or to uh, uh, Cleveland or any other place. We were independent churches. We're still independent. People act like it's a movement. It's not a movement. It's just old-time religion. But people want to distance themselves from preaching. Invitations, tears, and lifting your hands and praising God and conviction. I find, secondly, they were influenced to change. Look at what it says in chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Chapter three, verse one, would you read it with me? Ready, begin. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who 
want you to see, oh, foolish Galatians, what's the next word? Three letters. Who? There's always a who. Who's influencing you to do wrong? It may be your son. It may be your daughter. It may be your mother. It may be your father. It may be another pastor. It may be an internet. I don't, but there's a who in your life that's trying to draw you away from your mother and daddy's teaching and from the teaching of the word of God and from your heritage. Be careful. All this stuff that we think is so new is not new. Every generation had to defend the principles and the precepts of this book. From the first generation Christians in the book of Acts, after my departure shall grievous wolves coming in among you, not sparing the flock. Also in the book of Jude, men will creep in unawares and they'll come in that church and try to destroy that church. It has always been, it always will be. There's a fight. It says the same thing in chapter five. Look what he says in five, five, seven. Ye did run well. Five, seven, ye did run well. What's the next word? Who did hinder you? Remember in Exodus chapter 32, Moses went up to the mountain to speak to God and let God speak to him. And for 40 days he was away. When he came back down, he found out that his brother Aaron, he had taken the jewels from people, he melted it and they made a, a, a calf and he heard the sound and the noise. They called it singing. He said it was a noise. He saw their dancing. He saw their nakedness, and everything changed while he was gone. Their clothing changed. Their worship changed. Their music changed. I want to say, meddle not with them that are given to change. This is not something new. Well, we've got to relate to 2019. No, we don't. We need to relate to the Bible. It never changes. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8, the same yesterday, today, forever. Chapter number four, verse eight, they began to accept weak doctrine. Howbeit, when you know, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which are by nature no gods. But now after that, ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to weak and beggarly elements. You got saved. Why are you going back to that life? Why are you going back? We got preachers today promoting that, that drinking is okay and wine is okay and the, everything that we fought against for these years to try to keep our lives and our people pure and clean before God. Now the church has opened the doors. You want to come? Even in, you want to go to yoga? We'll, you want to come to... Uh, your aerobic classes in the church. We're not having aerobic classes here. We'll have soul winning classes here. I find that they rejected spiritual leadership. Chapter four. Brethren, he said, verse four, chapter four, verse 11. Here's what Paul, who won the Christ, said. I am afraid of you. He said to this church, I'm afraid of you. Lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain, brethren, I beseech you that be as I am. In verse number 15 says, where then is the blessedness he spake of? They spoke so highly of him. Where is this good compliments and this blessedness? I bear you record that it had been possible you would have plucked your eyes out and given them to me. Why, Paul had a disease in his eyes and he said, you would have, you would have, he said, you would have given me your eyes. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Careful of all this new wind of doctrine. Say, well, it's, you know, it's just, we'll, do, we'll, we'll, we'll get more people in here. That's not the command from God. 
Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church. D.L. Moody said, put a fire in the pulpit, people come watch it burn. Because we're out of time, I'll close in verse number, chapter five, verse number nine. They did not recognize that little error leads to big error. Verse number nine, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. I just thought of this right now. I was looking in the refrigerator right before I came. I was sort of planning my plan of attack for Sunday night after church with the refrigerator because diets are always off on Sunday night. And I saw some grapes in there. I know I'll start with some of that salami and some cheese. I know it's not healthy, but I got all week to get better. But I saw those grapes, and I didn't have time to stop. The shuttle bus was coming, and, and I saw in there was one, just thought it, one spoiled grape in a brand-new container, sealed, hadn't been opened up yet. And I said, the first thing I'm doing when I get home, I'm opening that bag, I'm getting rid of that rotten one because I don't want any more rotten ones. You get a rotten apple in a barrel, you got to get rid of it or it rots the rest. I want you to know that there's a culture at North Valley. I don't want to kiss this next generation goodbye. I'm announcing in 2019 tonight, by the grace of God, I'm not changing, and this church is not changing. I don't know what the future holds. It could be that a year from now, I will have been in the grave for already a year. And there'll be another man behind this desk. I hope not. I pray my second prayer every day. Lord, if it's life, our death, our rapture today, I want to be ready for one of those three. I want to be ready for life, and I want to be ready for death, and I want to be ready for rapture. I, I, I've had a home-going file for years. I've had one for the deacons. What I've had one for my wife. So don't think I'm just thinking, well, he's thinking he's going to die. Look at that dollar stuck right there. Man, that's music to a preacher's ears right there. Sight to sore eyes, I'll tell you that right now. But I'm telling you, I have a file that my wife can go to in the event of a sudden death. I hope it's going to make it very easy. But I've been adding to it every month, it seems like. And I just decided something about three, four months ago about if there's a, a death in my life. And I put it in the file. I told her about it. I just told her once and just... I think she's probably forgotten. She's in the nursery. Maybe she's watching right now. But it's there so that if I die, she'll, oh, he didn't want this at his funeral. So I'm going to honor his wishes. But I do know this, that God would want this church to go forward. 
But don't get a guy in here that wants to bring something new. Because for 43 years, this has worked. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.